Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Do you remember when we were kids? We'd gather around our teacher, lean in, and listen to stories that at the time we thought were just tales of adventure, but really they were designed to teach us skills to navigate life, family, work, and so much more. Jesus also told stories called parables, where he taught how to live a kingdom life right here on earth. Stories on trees, seeds, and fruit, money, family, and honesty. And whilst we may not be kids anymore, we're not too old for story time. Amen, amen, amen. Who's glad to be in church? You're almost glad to be in church. Did you get wet coming in or what? Yep. It's evaporated. That's right. So good to be with you. It's the very last week of story time. Can you believe it? We made it. You made it through. You got one more week. I can hear the sigh of relief. Everyone's saying, thank goodness the series is over. Thank goodness. Is that true? Mm. You sound thrilled. Have you had a good time? Have you learned something during this series? I hope you have. I hope you've learned something. Um, I really pray that, that you would have... Uh, that you would take what you've learned and that you would apply it to your life. Uh, Many times, and I'm guilty of this, I've sat in church, I've listened to a great message, I've said amen all the way through and then done nothing with it. And then the next time I hear it, I I roll my, oh my gosh, that message again. I've heard this before, but I never applied it ever in my life. And I want to challenge you, don't just hear the word right? Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word, right? If you're just going to listen to, if it's all you're going to do is is just listen and hear it, then eventually you're going to deceive yourself and and something's not going to turn out the way it should turn out. And so I really want to encourage you to take something each week, take something, take it home with you, put it into practice and, uh, and see what would happen in your life. Amen? Now we said that parables, the key to a parable, of course, was understanding it. You have to look, you have to seek. If, you, if you're just going to listen to the story, if it's just going to be one of those things that lands, you're never going to find out the depth of it. You're never going to understand it. And I showed you all the way back in week one that if you don't have an understanding of God's word, the little that you have, the enemy will take from you. That's why you see people, they get in, they listen to a point, and then immediately it's just like you think, but you were there, right? Like we heard the same message, the same pastor was talking, it was the same worship session. I was sitting next to you. What happened? I mean, you were there. You said amen. And then suddenly you're just back to your same old antics and you wonder what's going on. It's because they heard the word, but they didn't understand the word. And you need to go home at night and you need to, you need to open your Bible, even if it takes you that little bit longer to find the scriptures. You need to find your Bible. You need to read it and you need to understand it and you need to check it. And you need to see, hey, is what was preached, is that correct? Right? And that is a healthy church. It's a healthy place to be when you're going home and checking, when you're learning, when you're not just taking what I say and go, well, he said it, he's good looking, it must be true. Right? That's not always the case. Good looking, yes, but not always true. Yes? So we need to be making, making sure that we're doing that. Yes? I didn't get any good amens when, when somebody said that I was good looking. Thank you, Mama Amelia. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. I don't know if you remember this, it's a long time ago now, of course, but there was this thing we used to do, it's called, it was this 
travel. I don't know if you remember that thing we used to be able to do. I know some people have traveled all the way here. Uh, M seems to think from South Africa it wasn't, but uh, they've traveled all the way here. But you remember that thing that like holiday, you know, remember that thing we used to do? We used to go on a thing called holiday. You used to save sometimes for it and then you'd get excited and you'd go on holiday and you'd be away from the cat and away from your kids. And, and that was kind of the whole point of it, right? Just to leave everything behind. Um, and, and so, uh, but, but you can be away on holiday. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. You can be away from home. You've planned. You've, you're excited about it. You've been looking forward to this holiday. But, but you just got that, you get to a point where you, you miss home. You get homesick, right? Like, I, I love this holiday. I love this villa. I love where I am. But I miss my own bed, right? Once you're home, you're like, man, I miss that villa. I want to go back there. But there's those moments where you get homesick. I don't know whether you've ever experienced being homesick. And so uh, the definition is just a longing for one's home after a period of absence from it. You can get homesick. You can be away from home for long enough that you actually miss it. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And so I want to share on the last opportunity I get to share during this series uh, on, on the parable of the prodigal son. And, and, and many of you will be like, man, I've heard this, but do you understand this? Not have you heard it. Do you understand it? And so I want to share with you, you know, prodigal living, prodigal, the prodigal son wasn't, that wasn't his last name. Just so you know, like that's not who he was. And, and, and his dad wasn't prodigal either. So it wasn't like the prodigal son, right? That's not what it is. He's somebody who spends or gives lavishly or, or foolishly. That's what it is. It's something you do. And this guy decided to take his life into his own hands. We're going to see that in a minute. And he made a mess of it, like many of us. Whenever you take, whenever you take something into your own hands, it generally is a mess. Unless you're somebody like Teresa baking a cake, she takes the recipe into her own hands and makes it better. But for the most times, if you trust anyone else with that same recipe, it's a disaster, Right? So many of us have been there. What I want to look at this evening is why he was there, how he got there. How did you get to that place? What was the cause in the first place? Why did he leave home? He left home, but why? So many times we're worrying about he left, but why did he leave? And what was the point? And what can we learn about when he returns? Amen. So we're going to be reading out of Luke 15 from 11 onward. I'm going to read more scripture to you tonight than you've read all week. Everyone's nervous now. It's raining. You can't go to the beach anyway. Hang in there. You're going to be okay. Then he said, a certain man, this is the parable, a certain man, this is Jesus who says this, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said, Father, give me the portion that falls to me. This is his inheritance. Give it to me. He's the second. Uh, my understanding is that he would have had um, one third. His older brother would have had two thirds, right? I'm the oldest son. I think that that should still apply, right? I am the older brother. And I actually think that I will be phoning my dad and saying, you need to follow biblical pattern, please, sir, right? I don't know what the third gets, but that's Warren. It's irrelevant. He gets nothing. So he divided it to them, his livelihood, right? And it's, that's a rough thing to do. Imagine doing it. You're going to your dad and saying, look, I want what, what I would have got when you're dead. If I had a son and my son did that, he'd meet Jesus instantly. Immediately he would meet Jesus. And I'd give his money to Warren. 
Not many days after verse 13, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. Watch how far it is. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He just spent it and he just gave it away. I don't know whether you realize that you can give foolishly. You can try and bless somebody and, 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 and it could be a foolish thing that you do. You can waste what you've got. What you're, you, can, you can waste your, not only your inheritance, but you can waste the very thing you've been given thinking that you're a hotshot and just giving money away foolishly. You should not be giving to everything just because it's a need. And when he had spent it all, there rose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. It's like that. When you've got nothing, it just seems to get worse. Right? Verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Remember how far it was, yeah? And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Immediately, you've got to hit the pause button. Firstly, it's a long way from where he should be. The other thing is if there's pig... It ain't Jewish. You've fallen a long way from where you need to be. You're now in an ungodly area, which is far away from where you are supposed to be. By choice. By choice, because you think you know better. And he would gladly fill his stomach with the pods that swine ate. And no one gave him anything. The blessing stops. Hang around with pigs, you get to eat what pigs eat. Then he came to himself. That's important, people will. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I'll arise, I'll go to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. It's better to be a servant in the house where there is some provision where I should be than to be out here where I am. I can't take it anymore. I've realized the error of my ways. I realize I've sinned. I realize I've messed up. I've got to get back, right? This is the moment where something happens. Now, if you're back at home, you're thinking, where is that person? They're too far gone. But you must remember that somebody can be outside of the church. They can be far from God and they can be making a decision right here, right now to turn their life around and head back. Don't quit on somebody too soon. Don't quit on somebody too soon. This is the story of repentance. They may not be here tonight, but that doesn't mean they ain't coming. You with me? Verse 20, and he rose, he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, he's on his way, right? His father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. He was hugging him and kissing him. His father was glad that this dude was on his way back, even though he smells like pig. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servant, bring, uh, uh, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. That calf's going great. Nice day to be alive. Thanks for turning up now, brother. Bring it here, kill it. Let's eat and be merry, for my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. Now he's found, and they began to get merry. Now the older son, he was in the field. He came and drew near the house and heard the music and the dancing. The sound system was cranking, right? 
People say church needs to be quiet, not this one. This is like that house. It was going off. And he called one of his servants and said, what, are these, what these things meant? He said to him, your brother came home because he received him safe and sound. Your father killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating the calf is dead, right? But he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered his father and said, yo, I think that's a typo. It says, yo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed. I haven't messed up once, man. I've been serving you. Never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might be merry with my friends. But as soon as, the, uh, as, soon as this son of yours came home, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, we won't even go down there, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said, son, you're always with me. All I have is yours. I'm going to explain that in a moment. And it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. You've got a whole lot going on here. And so I, message, I titled the message, Homesick. And this young son, the younger, he eventually experienced being homesick. He experienced that. He did it his way, but he got homesick. But how did we get there? How did we get there? And so I try to really unpack and try and live life as him and try and look at what he could have gone through. What caused this? Because many of us are here and we were like this kid. And some of us are here and we're believing God that we can reach some of these people, right? Like it's not too far gone. It's not too late. Like there is a, there is a chance for them. Amen. So there could have been a variety of reasons. One, he was living at home, and he has an older brother who, by his own account, is the golden child. He's a bit like me, right? He didn't make any mistakes. He just lived this life that was brilliant, and it really highlights how useless their brothers were, right? Russell and Warren, if you're listening, this guy was the bomb. It's an older brother thing. And it's tough to be around people who never make mistakes, it is hard to be around people like that. I know, I know Christians that they know everything. They don't make a mistake. They never miss a prayer. They never just they make it seem like they've got it all together and it makes you feel like you're not enough. That's not authentic. Everyone in this room has had a hard time, has done some stupid stuff, and will probably do more of it. But to pretend like you've somehow got it together makes people feel like they're unworthy. And it would have sucked. It would have sucked. Just highlights everything you do wrong when you're around people like that. And if his brother's like, I've lived with you, served you, not made a mistake ever, not ever gone against your word, not your command one time. You just imagine this younger brother. He's like, man, it doesn't matter what I do, I always mess up. And I want out. Maybe he felt like he was just living in his brother's shadow. That is a bad situation to be in. When you always feel like you're second, when you always feel like you're not quite as good, when you always feel like you don't, when you don't quite meet that standard, you just don't. And it's tough whether you're at home, in a family, in your workplace, your friendship circle. If you always feel like you're living in the shadows, eventually you just feel like uncomfortable. I just want out. I just want, I need space. I need, I need room to become me. 
I need to find myself and I can't do it in your shadow. I need to find my own voice and I need to do that. I can't always have you talking. I need to, I need to, I need to spread my wing. I need to find myself. He might have been feeling like that trapped feeling. I'm always in the shadow. I'm always, I'm always overlooked. And many of us have gone through that. We just feel like we're overlooked. So you can understand where he's coming from. Or maybe he just felt stuck. My, um, my mom and dad, they had this thing. Mm, my house, it's my rules. Anyone else had parents who were just unfair in this area, right? They just made these rules like, I want to do, I, I want to lay the curfew. No, but I want it. Still no. Why not? Because it's my house. And as long as you live in my house, you play by my rules. Boy, when I turned 18, did I teach them a lesson. I taught them a lesson. You come at me with your restrictions and your boundaries. Try to prevent me from being all I can be. Stop me from coming home at 3 o'clock in the morning with some really ugly chick because it suits me. You don't stop me for nothing. I do what I want. I do when I want it. And when I was 18, I moved out of house and I have been paying the bill ever since. That was the stupidest move I have ever made. Cut their house, their rules. Stick it out, brother. Stay there. Don't move. Don't move. Take it from me. Even if you've got a dollar in your bank account, you are $10 richer than the rest of us, mate. I hated it. Tell it's your house. Come on, we know the feeling. One day when I've got my own house, I'm going to drive a Ferrari. It's going to be double story. I'm going to live at the beach. Now, you, now you're renting a two-bedroom apartment with nine of your friends. Right? You're like, yep, yep. And pride, of course, we can't go back. I'll never go back to my mother and go, I messed up. No way. I'd rather struggle through and say it was awesome. I remember the first day I got home. I'll never forget this. When I got home after living on my own, my mother left me there for a little while. And there's only so much KFC you can eat before you broke. And so I remember getting home, and I only realized after I moved out, after, that I didn't have a washing machine. My mother never told me this. She never told me this. And so I remember getting home, and my mother, oh, I'll never forget this, she said, Andrew, if I could only give you one intelligent question to ask, what would you ask? So how do you make rice? I did not even know how to make rice. And we never had Uncle Ben's back then. You couldn't buy it in a bag. And just heat it up. I had to make it. Do you remember that? Where you're like one cup rice, two cups water, right? And then you have to watch it because it goes from way too much water to instantly burnt. Have you noticed that? It's like there's it a lot of water and then it's burnt. I don't know how. To this day, I don't know how to fix that problem, right? Now it's one cup rice, 14 liters of water. That's how you make rice if you want to know. Am I right? This guy looks around at the world around him uh, and maybe he just thinks, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. It's always better somewhere else, right? It's always better. Maybe it's like in your marriage. You just think that everybody else's marriage is perfect and yours is just a challenge. Ask them. Ask honest people. Theirs is as difficult as yours. Greatest thing somebody ever told me in a marriage. They said, some days you have to work hard. Other days you have to work harder. That's it. Simple as that. But the grass is not greener on the other side. No other dude, no other woman, 
Just because there's a bigger church or a smaller church around the corner doesn't mean it's just going to be easier. Doesn't mean you no longer have to get involved and make a difference. Doesn't work that way. Sometimes, friends, though, it is greener on the other side. Sometimes you've got to lose some of those losers in your life. Some of you young people take that down as a note. But we do it all the time. It's easy. I mean, if I change job, that would just be easier. But it's not always easier. It's not always easy. I go from one boss to another boss. The grass is not just always greener on the other side. But he decided that it might be and he wanted to find out. And too often we think that everything that we don't have is better than some of the things that we do have. And we need to change this. We need to understand what he was saying. And so this guy decides he's going to do it. He takes everything he's got. He does what Andrew did. Now I'll show you. I'll take all four outfits I've got. My 1982 Toyota Corolla and I'm going to show the world how it's done. And you get out there and you start showboating. Got my own house. It's like you lead in with that statement. Hey, I'm Jenny. Andrew, I've got my own house. Because you're cool. Because you're cool. And then, and then you, you, like dinner's on you. Because you just want to, because I've got my own house. I'm rich. We can take my car. I washed it. Right? We start showboating. We start living. You can't walk normally, and when you've got to get your gangster on, mm. right? I've got my own house. You got a curfew? Because I don't. Not me. No, I come home when I want. Yeah, because I'm cool. Because I know better. I know better. If you're still at home, you don't know. You don't know. But I know because I've got my own house. And this guy starts partying it up. He's got the girls. He's hitting the nightclubs. He's living. And he's got his inheritance, right? So he's got a whole bunch. And he's starting to... Ladies, look out. I mean, when he gets to the club, holla. Hello, everyone. I've arrived. I've got it going on. I mean, this guy arrives on a fast donkey. There's, this guy's got everything is going his way. He's got money and he's spending and he's just living life. And then one day he wakes up and, and there's a famine and he realizes that he's in deep, deep, deep trouble. He spent more than he's got and he's in trouble and pride kicks in. And when you get yourself into that kind of mess, you always align yourself with the wrong people. Have you noticed that? Whenever you make dumb choices, you find other dumb people who have made similar choices so that you can agree that that was a great choice. Have you noticed that? Right? It's the same. This is a true story. It's the same as, as people who come to church and then they cause chaos and division. They always come to the past and they go, we've decided. Oh, it's interesting. You couldn't have decided on your own before you got others involved or you needed a group of people. How does that work? Because you're making some stupid decisions and you think that by gathering other people who are similar to you that that suddenly is what going to fix it. Not. So here's a couple of things we need to remember. We represent the older brother. And the younger brother, he's far from God. He's far from God. 
And as, as funny as it is when I think about it, it's really not that funny. Because he's in a world of pain. And he dies very lonely if he dies out there. And it needs to affect us on the inside. It needs to bother us. And the Father, of course, is God. We're called to celebrate when those that are far from God come home. And the older brother got bent out of shape. I've been, why, why are you celebrating that guy? Have you, have you heard his story? How far, have you heard what some of the things he's done? He has nothing to be proud of. Why don't you ever celebrate those that are in church, that have been here, faithful, giving, always making a difference, always reaching out, always discipling? Because you have access to everything God has. And you're upset because somebody else got celebrated. And he addresses that and he shows him that that is a poverty mindset. All I want, you never even gave me a little bit. Why did you need a little bit? You had access to everything. Why would, why would your desire in the kingdom of God be that, why can't I just have something small? Why? Why does he get celebrated and the fatted car? He got one. All of it belongs to you. That's your inheritance. The whole of, kingdom, the, whole of the kingdom is yours. The all of heaven is available to you. All of healing is available to you. All of your salvation is available to you. Everything of God is available to you. And we need to stop thinking so small about this big God that we serve. We're laboring, 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 getting mad because other people are being celebrated instead of coming down the road and going, oh my gosh, this is my brother. This is my family. This is somebody that was supposed to be around me. And he's alive. He could have been dead out there in a faraway place, stuck eating pig food with pigs. And we're worried about what we can't have. Instead of realizing how much we have access to. We're not seeing things correctly if that is our perspective. If it's not exciting to you when somebody gives their life to Jesus, odds are you have that poverty mindset. And that is a tough pill to swallow. But if it does not excite you, if you are not excited about it, if you are not happy about watching somebody turn their life around, no matter how bad it is and no matter how much they still mess up. Because I'll tell you one thing, he came home and he still smelt like pig. And that might take time. And we may have to wash his clothes. And we may have to reteach him. And his nutrition might be really bad. And he might have lost a lot of weight. And he might not be well because he's had nothing of substance coming into him. But we clothe them and we put them in the best place. And we celebrate them and we hold them tight. And we're happy that they're home. And we're supposed to, he says, what are you doing? You're supposed to be celebrating this moment. But instead you're whinging and you're whining about it. And we can never be a people that whine about things. We should be celebrating the great things God is doing, not complaining about all the difficult times. We have access to everything. I asked somebody once, we were in a, a, a youth group, I said, if, if God, if you give your life to Jesus, you realize the price that was paid on that cross and nothing else comes your way, you've received everything. Everything else is a bonus. Stop thinking, well, I gave my life to Jesus, so like I'm, I'm entitled to this and I should have this. And Stop, just be grateful. Be thankful. You have access to everything. 
You, you, healing is yours. It was paid for at the cross. Deliverance is yours. Salvation is yours. And you can receive it by faith. You get to have it. You don't have to struggle. You don't always have to have this mindset of how little, how little, how little. No, you can, you, you can spend and you can give and you can do it with wisdom. This guy just spent and gave and did it foolishly. You can bless people and it can be smart or you can bless people and it can be a really dumb idea. The other thing we need to remember quickly is this. I believe we have a responsibility to reach people. I do. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm relentless with it. I'm not stopping, not today, not ever. I don't care how difficult they are, I'm not quitting. End of story. But some people think they know better, like this kid. And sometimes, as hard as it is, you have to let them go. You have to let them go. You have to, and it's tough. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, is is watch and let them go. They have to go and live like a pig and hang out with pigs and spend all their money and go broke and struggle and figure out life and come to themselves What we're trying to do is pray and then hold on to the person. I used to do it with money in the church. I could easily give, easily, as long as I knew exactly where it was going and what was being spent on. That's why the pastor said, Andrew, you squeeze that coin so hard when you let go, she's crying. Right? But but we can't, there's, there's no... Faith in, in saying, I let this person go, and then I'm, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let it go. I'm, ne- I'm just going to hold on. I'm going to fight this way through. I'm just, no, like, and, and, and kids are like this, and teenagers are like this. Let it go. Give them to God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pray for them, right? Some, some people should know this. When, when your kids run off on their own path, that doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes them on a learning journey. Leave them to go and live with pigs. Let them go and eat some pig food. They're coming home because they don't know how to cook rice. I know this. I know somebody is just like this. They're coming home. Let them eat it. Let them sleep in it. Let them spend it. Let them do what they need to do. They're coming home. They're coming home. That I can assure you, they're coming home. If I'm here, they're coming home. If you're here, they're coming home. Amen. And we hold on to that. How much time I got? Another hour. It's fine. Make it two? That's a godly person. The rest of you? Mm. Interesting. It's not, it's, it, it's not easy what we face. But the thing I, I, I believe in my heart, which is worse than anything that happens in the church is we've lost our passion for people coming to Jesus. That it actually, it hurts me, it affects me. Like, I, I, the, the, you'll see, I, I don't like crying, right? Joe likes crying. She's good at it. No, you're good at it, right? I think it was Lizette who said, Joe's one of the only people who can cry and look beautiful, right? <laughs> I, I don't like crying. I hate crying. But when somebody gives their life to Jesus, that affects me. That affects me. If ever you see me just turning and reading the screen, it's probably because there's a lot of dust or something. I'm just clearing it out of my face. 
right? But that affects me. When I watch somebody turn their life around, that affects me because I remember what that took for me. And it was hard work. It was hard work. Making the decision was easy. No one ever told me what would come after that. But it's tough. Amen? We need to start to celebrate. And we need to start to be very, very happy when people do it. That's why even watching people get baptized today, that was just cool. That's just cool. Just watching them just come out of that water and their hands are raised high and people on the beach just screaming and celebrating and shooting little popper things that didn't work. Like, right? Like just the most pathetic thing you've ever seen in your life. It was awesome. I'll definitely buy them. Right? And I can't even, my mind, I was like, I imagined like fireworks. Have you ever had that? Like I imagined this like, but it was like this. You know, like those stupid things when you go to the fireworks space, like goes, you have no idea where it is. It just goes. Yeah, all right. I'm glad I stayed up for that. The most amazing thing, though, and then we're going to pray. The most amazing thing is this. The father saw him coming a long way off. And that is the most incredible thing. Because the only way he could have seen him coming was if he was looking. He was standing, he's looking at that horizon, and he's just watching. You know that you don't look unless you have faith that it's going to happen. Can I encourage you? Have some faith. God, I, I, I look at the horizon, I don't see anything today. I just don't see it. But that doesn't mean it's not possible. Get up tomorrow and look again. Get up the day after and look again. I used to pray over my bank account. I was just like, why is it always more going out than in? And I'd pray, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start declaring good things over my accounts. Like, I'm going to start to have money. Things are going to turn around. It's going to be okay. To this day, I still pray. Before, I, If I open that app, bam, I pray. Father, bless this account. Bless the church. Bless people. Make, let it be that, that, that more's in than out. And I pray, pray, pray. And for a long time, I look in that account and nothing changed. But you, you have to fight through those times. You have to push through those moments. You have to not quit. Don't give up. Keep looking at the horizon. Does, I can't see today, but tomorrow's another day. I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep looking. And the Father saw Him coming a long way off. And sometimes we come to God and we feel like we've got to have it all together. But this person, this, this kid realized, I haven't got anything together. I've just got to come back. And just so that you know, his mindset was also wrong. He thought that coming to God because of after all he had done meant that he has to be the least in the kingdom. But God was like, no, 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 no. Forget what you've done. I'm going to restore you to your glory. I'm going to restore you to what you were called to. I'm going to restore you to what I've got in mind for you. I'm going to show you what's possible. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what anything's happening around you. Just know this. I'm going to restore you. I'm going I'm to love you. I'm putting the best on you even though you don't smell good. I'm putting sandals on your feet even though you, you do need to wash that. Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to put a ring on your finger even though like you're all kinds of messed up and he just restores him and he starts to celebrate come on we're gonna have a party in this place this is gonna be a good day we're gonna love these people it's gonna be brilliant and the church stood by and went for him after all he's done like 
Don't be the people of God that suck the life out of the room. There was a, a guy we used to do church with. We used to call him the spiritual vacuum cleaner, right? Didn't matter what was going on in the room. If this dude walked in, he could suck the life out of the room. Walk in, you're like, man, the presence of God. But the chairs are skewed. Oh, thanks, bro. Everything always an issue. Always finding a problem. Instead of finding something great. And we used to see him coming and just like in the prayer meeting, you're just like, oh, here we go. Please don't pray in our group. Come on, sure, of course you can join. <laughs> you ever had those people? They walk in, Lord, that you would help these people to be excellent because they're not. And you just, bro, stay home. Come on, we're supposed to be people who add life, who add joy, who are excited about what God is doing. I want to encourage you. I know life is tough. I know it. I know everyone's fighting something. Everyone's got a battle. Everyone. If you don't, I need that secret. I need that. You can share that with me. But we need to, we need to be those people that just, when, when somebody comes home and God is just, bam, He just loves on them. We should be the people who run in from whatever, wherever we were and celebrate because it's family. They are our family. I know you think, I, I, don't want, I don't want that person to be my family. They're your family. They're your family. They probably don't want you to be their family either, but we're family. We love people. Amen. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources, or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless. <laughs>